Welcome into Other People's Shoes, the podcast where listeners get to step into the lives of others and see the world through their shoes. Your host, Neil Matthews, is a seasoned interviewer who has a natural talent for empathizing with his guests and drawing out their unique perspectives. Through a combination of storytelling and insightful questioning, Other People's Shoes explores the lives of a diverse range of guests, from everyday people to celebrities and thought leaders. With a warm and welcoming style, Neil creates a safe and supportive space for his guests to share their stories, while also challenging listeners to broaden their perspective and think more deeply about the world around them. So tune in to Other People's Shoes with Neil Matthews and get ready to step into other people's shoes. Welcome in to Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. That day is finally here. It's season finale day. Everyone hooray, because it's season finale day. Shouldn't we say hey? By the way, that was just off the cuff. That was just not even in the script, because there is no script with this show, as you know, because you've hung out long enough, you've hit play, well, at least now over 245 times or so, 245 times. We are getting close to that 250 mark, so stay tuned and stick around. Next week is season premiere day, which is always exciting. But before we get to season premiere day, we have to close the chapter. We have to take off our final mask. And what a guest we have for you today. Let me tell you, I sent out the episode way back when. I actually had to put research back on it. We uh, we laid them off for a little while. You know, they were working from home. They weren't doing their job. So we, we had to cut some folks go. It's a very sad moment. We hired some folks back and they told me that way back on July 19th, we actually came across this cat. I say cat because people are like cats. They're very peculiar. People are. But maybe I should call him a Jayhawk because really that's truly what he is. We came across this guy with the same name, same spelling, and he told this riveting story and shared about his book about being unmasked. I had at least seven people, which for me is a big deal, reach out and say, please, oh, please, oh, please tell me we can hear more about his story. And I said, well, how do we do that? And a very good friend of mine said, please tell me we're going to get the wife on the show. And so I thought, well, let's try and see what we can do. Here she is now from the Missouri state, which really her heart probably resides in the Jayhawk country, which is always weird to me. Missouri, Kansas, where are you? Who knows? But help me welcome in my new friend, Amy. Amy, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. What an introduction, right? (laughs) Yeah. That was a rambly introduction. It's okay. (laughs) But that's what I do. I kind of weave a little story, weave a little narrative. It's fun to do. So help me though. You are married to this crazy guy that is not me named Neil. And I got to ask this before we get too far down the road. When you first think back to the moment you locked eyes, or maybe it was a text message, or maybe it was even the old school days of sending a note. I don't know if you guys did that at all. We met on MySpace. You met on MySpace. There it is. I actually saw his page. I would call my dad and I'd be like, hey, it's time to pay my credit card. And so for Christmas, he like, he bought me a laptop. 
laptop and was like, I got you this so you can just pay your own bills. I was like, okay. So one of my best friends was like, you need a MySpace page now. And I had no idea what that was. I stayed the night at her house and we stayed up and made a page for me, put some really ridiculous stuff on there. And I had like seven friends and I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? She's like, you're just supposed to post stuff and then talk to people. And so I kind of played around with it a little bit and you could like kind of look at people's pages. And I saw Neil's page and I was like, he's cute. I messaged him that I like tacos and we've been together ever since. (laughs) That's amazing. So according to Google, MySpace came out August 1st, 2003. We met, I think, 2008. Okay, so you were late to the MySpace party then, sounds like. Yeah, it was funny because I want to say like just a few weeks after we were dating, I mean, shortly after we started dating that he was like, nobody's doing MySpace anymore. Everybody's going to Facebook. Okay. All right. They don't really do anything with really either one of them. Well, that's fun. So again, going back to it, you are the wife of Neil that we had on earlier this season. By popular demand, first time ever, I've had friends reach out and say, you got to go get the wife. It was a resounding call. And so I was really excited that you were giving us a moment today. So I want to acknowledge that. What I like to do when I lead off every show, and that's this question, you should love this, I hope, is Amy, what style of shoe do you love to wear? Oh, I do like shoes. I have quite a few. I don't know why. I had a hunch. Well, I do love wearing sandals in the summer. Gosh, what do I have? I just love all kinds of shoes. I do not wear heels. I cannot even pretend to walk in those. So, I mean, just anything that's cute and comfortable. I do have some hey dudes. There you go. And my daughter has the ones with cow prints right now. Oh, really? She's really into cow print. Yep. Anything that's cute, really, that I know I can walk in. I do hair. I'm on my feet a lot. Is there a certain brand or style that you like more than another, like tennis shoes or hokas or? I do love swirl boots. Those are comfy and they're cute. Swirl? Am I saying it right? S-O-R-E-L, Sorel. Okay, Sorel boots. Well, Amy, so let's get into this because I am dying of curiosity here to ask this question. And that's this. Is part of Neil's story, he shared with us way back when, as I mentioned, you know, he was in this hotel room. He shouldn't have been in the hotel room. He's kind of getting kind of whatever you want to say there. He's getting hustled, blackmailed. blackmailed. Yeah, I like all those terms. And he's basically trying to give these people money to keep them quiet, to keep them from calling you. And the number one question that kept popping into my mind that I never got a chance to ask Neil because he had mentioned during that process that they were going to call you. How on earth did they get your phone number? I guess somehow they Googled me. I I don't know. That's I think I actually probably asked him that question too. I don't know if he used a card. Seems kind of weird that he'd use a card, not cash. I don't know. It's been a long time, so I'm not really sure. Showed him my page, my picture and everything, which I thought was scary that they were able to pull that up so easily. And I don't know if they could like look him up and then he has a spouse and find it that way. Well, I know back in the day, Facebook used to be able to, and and I think you still can, you can actually have a phone number attached to that person. If his phone was unlocked in any way, if he had an Android phone, I mean, it would be easily able to, I guess, find that information out. So I just was curious because like Mm -hmm. I said, they end up calling you, these people in a hotel room with a prostitute and they end up calling you later on that night when he refuses to pay them more money. And that begins the process. That's kind of the domino effect that starts this crazy now new life that you guys are now living together. That's kind of the catalyst. 
yeah. Like, I'm going to send some emails real quick before I go to bed. And I was up in bed watching TV and I heard my phone going off. And I looked over and it said, is your name Amy Getzlow? And I kind of looked and and then it says, your husband's been cheating on you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I looked again and they had sent a picture. The crazy thing is, is though, I mean, like for a long time, I knew, I knew something was going on. I just had no way of, I had no proof whatsoever other than spent a lot of time on his phone. I mean, there were things that I thought were, something's not right. He would never leave his phone anywhere. And I, did, I didn't know the code to it. And I would try to, from behind, like if he was on his phone, try to see what code he put in. I could never get the whole thing. And even if I did have the code, it's, I don't know when I would have been able to get his phone to even look at it. That was, I think, one of the biggest red flags too. I was just why is he so secretive with this phone? Something's, something's going on. That's so profound to me that you didn't know that. You had speculation, of course. You had the the wife intuition, as I would call it. Neil even declared when we had him on that you're not very tech savvy. You're not a kind of a super sleuth. No. You, you don't specialize in techie stuff. You mentioned you do hair. It's not like you're sitting around programming computers or you're working on computers all day. You're working on people's hair. I had prayed about it. When I first started to notice something, I remember where we just woke up and he was on his phone, which wasn't really unusual because usually he's checking his emails or whatever. But I noticed that he had have his phone turned away. Like anytime I looked in his direction, he had have it kind of angled to where I couldn't see his phone. That was like the very first time I was like, that seems strange. There were other things. And then I don't want to be crazy and be over thinking this, that you try to like blow it off thinking too much into this. Shortly before I found out about the blackmail thing, I was praying to God. I was, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Please just let me know either way. I'm like, I don't know how else I'm going to find out. I, I don't know his codes or anything like that. And I was like, God, just take me out of this situation. Let me know what's going on, if something's actually going on. And, and sure enough, that that happened. So it was, in a way, it was kind of a relief because I was like, well, I'm not crazy. How many years have you guys been married at this point? 11. We've been together for 15. So during that time, do you have an estimation of how many times he stepped out? Uh, uh, he doesn't even know. I think it was a lot, like hundreds, I think, probably. So the number one question that I think every woman right now who is married or in a physical relationship with a man is going to ask, how on earth could you ever engage in that activity once again? With him? Yeah. Oh. <sighs> Listen, even my mother-in-law, who is, in my mind, probably the most spiritual woman I've ever encountered. She knows the Bible forwards and backwards and sideways and byways. Mm -hmm. And I was mentioning to her that you were coming on. She was one of the seven. And she said, that's a deal breaker. That's it. That's all. I don't know. I don't know if I can recover from that. Yeah, my pastor told Neil the same thing. He's, I don't even think my wife would do that or would do that. I mean, what came to mind too. And even at the time, I felt in a way like I was being prepared to forgive something. My pastor was preaching on forgiveness. I mean, that came to mind when all of this kind of came out. Forgiveness isn't justifying somebody's behavior. It doesn't mean it's okay. You're letting it go and you're giving it over to God. And it also doesn't mean that me forgiving him that I would need to stay with him either. I mean, this is how 
perfect God is, is the perfect situation. Because if it hadn't been any other way, I'm not sure if we'd have the same outcome. Because we were stuck together. There was no place to go. You're referring to being locked down during COVID because this happens just as COVID kind of kicks into gear, right? Yeah. I mean, whenever I first found out about the first deal, like I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I'm like, it wasn't making any sense to me. I think part of me was like, I need to know more because this can't be the whole story. I'm like, I've been thinking something's going on for a very long time. What he was telling me, I wasn't really believing it. I forgave him for one is because Jesus has forgiven me. Nothing could be as bad as this is if God can forgive anything. I can't say that there's something that's unforgivable. The things you've done in your life, the terrible things, the the awful things, the ugly of your life. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not an innocent person. And if I can be forgiven for the things that I've done, I can't say, well, there's no way I can forgive you for what you're doing. I've been in men's groups where men confess to struggling with pornography. I've been there myself. There's a period of time it just seems like intimacy can't take place. And I know for the guys and and the friends that I've walked through, they've shared, just being candid here, is my wife ever going to have sex with me again? And that's on a digital platform. Now, now don't get me wrong. I think it's, it's equal to that. I've even heard ladies say, some have said, nope, that's a step further, actually doing it with another person. That's, that's a whole different animal. That's a whole different rating system. That's a whole different category. Friends have shared. I don't know how she came back from that. I've had friends who have been cheated on and I always told myself, I was like, there's no way I'd stay with anybody that ever cheated on me. I mean, that was before I was saved, but I still think I probably figured if I had been cheated on, I wouldn't stay a person. Would have these scriptures come into mind of God doesn't delight in divorce. He hates divorce. If your spouse has a repentant heart... I mean, if you have a spouse that is definitely not repentant, I just believe that God can restore. Even though I couldn't tell it right away and I wasn't ready to like kiss and make up right away, I could see over time he was definitely repentant. I needed to see if he was being genuine or not. He wasn't just saying it for whatever reason. I could see the change in him. And then and I think that's why that was a good thing that there was no place to go. He couldn't run off and do his thing and I couldn't run off and get away from it. And then after being saved and seeing how quickly I had changed, I was seeing the similarities in him. So at the time, are you saved when this happens or are you newly saved? I was saved three months after we got married. I mean, that changed our marriage drastically because we used to go out and party all the time. And I mean, that was our thing. I mean, we had a lot of fun together and we were always going out drinking with our friends and party. And that was basically living for the weekend. Once I got saved, I was like, I can't keep going out and getting drunk. I I didn't even feel right about it. I had read this book and that was like one of the things that got me. It wasn't the thing, but it was one of the things got me to repent and, and be saved. And it scared the heck out of me. And I tried to get him to read it. And he's like, I'm not reading that. I I was just kind of surprised by his reaction because he was very defensive about it. Do you remember the book? 
Yeah, it was 23 minutes in hell. He's like, everybody's got their own agenda, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, I don't even know if it's real. All I know is that scared the crap out of me. His depiction of hell became very real for me. And I just want to make sure if this is real or not. He wasn't having any of it. I told him that I was saved, trying to share it with him. I could tell he was very standoffish about it. He thinks I'm a total weirdo now. Like I could tell right off. I was like, yeah, he thinks I'm crazy crazy. He's like, I got to get out of here. He's over to his friend's house or whatever. I was like, oh, he's going to go tell his friends that I've lost my mind. And of course, that's what he did. So it was really awkward. Like the first time I saw them, like after all of this, I mean, it was just, I mean, we all met up for some drinks, you know, I wasn't going out to get drunk or anything. It was very uncomfortable. It was almost like none of us knew how to act around each other. It was kind of like an uncomfortable silence in a way, like nobody knew what to say. I was like, oh gosh, I was like, this is so weird. They think I'm nuts. And I'm like, and I'm sitting here like, I don't even know what to do or what to say. I probably seem nuts just sitting here. I very rarely went out when he went out with them. I noticed probably a couple years after all of that is he was spending more and more time away. They had a kickball league like every Wednesday. They were meeting up for drinks. So, I mean, like probably three times a week at least he was meeting up with friends or he was going to some sporting event or something. And I was pretty much just at home working on our house. Pretty much redid our whole house. I gutted parts of it and everything. And I think that's what kind of helped me too, is it kept me busy, kind of kept my mind occupied in a way. I mean, I would think about stuff while I was working, not think about it. I would just keep praying for him and I'd have people at church praying for him. I mean, towards the end there, I was like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I mean, God has perfect timing and that's all I can say because I was ready to move on or something. I was like, I'm already alone, so I might as well just be single. What was the hardest? part for you in in forgiving him? I think when he'd get mad about things, like if he'd get defensive about something, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, how dare you even think? How could you even possibly get mad? (laughs) I felt like I had to make a decision, though. If I'm going to stay with him, I have the right to be angry, of course, and hurt. I can't use this as a to throw in his face. Anytime I get mad or upset or he does something I don't like, I'm like, I can't throw that in his face. Do you mentioned friends? Do friends think you're crazy because you've stayed? think so, but I don't know. I think most people are surprised. Why does that bring you to tears? I don't know. It's just really talk about this. I guess just talking about it does because I haven't really talked about it in a while. Does it bring about for you insecurities? Does it mess with your head? No. Did it ever go in that direction for you? Like you weren't good enough. So therefore he had to find it from who knows who. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I knew most of it was because of my, me not, not doing the things that we used to do together. You know, my life was different. I mean, I had no idea, like he had a problem with pornography. I never watched it. He never watched it that I knew of. Never talked about it. So I was totally clueless there whenever he brought that up. I thought he was just making up an excuse because actually saw his 
laptop, I actually called the girl because I just wanted to ask her. I was, I was, I just wanted to ask her like, how long has she been talking to him and how they met or whatever. I thought maybe they were seeing each other. I didn't know if they were dating or what. I should have had a clue because her name was Lola. Because <laughs> I was like, who has a name Lola? I tried calling her. She didn't answer. And so I just sent her a text and I was like, hey, I was like, I'm not trying to like start an argument. I just want to know what's going on. Like how long have you guys been talking to each other, seeing each other? And I didn't get a response. So I just said, well, you can have them, whatever. So yeah, she never responded. No, I didn't realize that that's what she did for a living. So I didn't realize that there were many more. And and then he told me, he was like, he's like, I have a problem. And I was like, I, I just thought he was like trying to make me feel sorry for him. I was like, I don't want to hear your excuses or whatever. I can't remember what all I said. I just, because I was thinking, I'm like, how long have you been seeing this person? Because he wasn't like, you didn't come out with everything all at once. I want to say maybe it was the, the day after, after I found out about this Lola lady that he finally like spilled his guts about going on but he wasn't even totally forthcoming about that because I was like well how long has this been going on and I want to say at first he said like I don't know maybe a year or two years and I was like what and then you know when I was looking at his phone like later you know I found like a text or something from somebody from like 2014 and I was like um, this is even longer than two years. So I think we pretty much figured it had been like he had been doing this for like five and a half years. Five and a half years? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to think in my mind. I'm like, how long have I been thinking something's been going on? I'm like, I know it's been a long time, but I'm like, has it been five and a half years? I was like, because I think I figured it out pretty early on. Something's not right here. There were times where I was like, gosh, how? I'm like, can I get like a computer whiz to like somehow let me see his text messages or whatever? If I ask him, he's not going to show it to me. I was afraid to even bring it up to him because I thought if he thought I was suspect of it, that he would just try to delete whatever he had and I would never find out. I never let on that I had an idea that I thought something weird was going on. So I'm curious about this for you guys financially. Any indication? Did you see any like credit card receipts? Did you see anything like that that seemed crazy or suspicious? No, because I never wanted to join our accounts together. He wanted to in the very beginning. So he had kind of his money, if you will, and you had your money. Yeah. I'm like, it just made me nervous because I had been married once before. I mean, not that I thought that he would do anything. I just I felt more comfortable having my account. I never merged those together and I still haven't. I mean, we have our names on each other's accounts. We didn't before. I'm not ready to do that. Well, so that answers anyway. my question then that that's how he would easily be able to manipulate his money or hide that because you couldn't see it anyway. Looking back, two weird things happened since I was working on our house brought up us refinancing our house so that I could get some money to do something to it. Well, we got denied. I saw something and it showed like different times that our house payment, it said it was like 60 days late or 90 days late. I think there's one day that one time that it was like said it was 120 days late. I know I'd brought it up to him, but he kind of blew it off like, no, that's not right. And I was like, huh. You know, I didn't know what 
else to say. I was like, seriously? I mean, I remember I was mad because I had had good credit. I had put him on like my card and stuff as authorized signer to make his credit better for when we bought our house. I'm like, I helped improve your your credit. I was like, and now you're hurting mine. So I remember I was mad about that. And another weird thing that happened is something with our car. He was late on the car payment. And my ex-husband called me saying that he got a message from like creditor or something about us being late. I was like, why would they call you? How would they have your number? And I have no idea like why they would have contacted him. Being someone that used to work in collections, I can tell you, they run numbers. Any name associated with you, they can probably pull and find. Oh my gosh. I was like, great. You know, and then of course he was like, well, I didn't want to worry. I'm like, why would you be late? I'm like, what is going on? I can't remember what the explanation was. I mean, of course, at the time he was paying a lot in child support. I was like, why didn't you let me know? And then, you know, I could have made sure that it was paid, not knowing he was taking out who's doing the payday loan things. But, you know, I mean, he was going out drinking with his friends and stuff. So I'm just like, how do you have the money? I mean, he made good money. You know, I never thought there was an issue. I'm like, how could you be this late on stuff? But you're still going out and drinking with your friends and stuff and going to all these sporting events. I mean, those two were, I always was like, something's weird here. Again, it it was always in the back of my mind, but I never pushed him on it because I mean I never would have thought at the time I was spending money on sex and stuff yeah I wasn't sure how do your parents feel about this (sighs) you know I haven't really talked to them about it I was like, that's not really something I wanted to discuss with my parents. I'm just thinking daddy's a little girl. I have a 16-year-old. I hope she never has to walk through this. You know, I can't help but be a dad in this moment. Not that I'm your dad, but I think you know what I mean. I mean, my dad is a good dad, but we don't have that kind of close relationship. So I don't feel comfortable talking to them about something like that. And my sister asked me too. She's like, what are you going to do when mom and dad like sees like if they come across some because he had written his book and all that stuff. I was like, I don't know. Think about it if that day comes. My mom did tell me she sent me a text. She was like, I saw I saw you and Neil talking, giving your testimony or something somewhere. And I just responded. I said, I was like, we're we're trying to share our story to try to help other people that might be struggling, you know, in their marriage. And and I just kind of left it at that because I was like, I don't don't really want to have this conversation with my parents. They've seen my husband and I mean, they've never brought it up, which I think if it was before they were saved too, I'm sure my mom probably would have said something. I think she would have handled it probably differently now that they're saved. And you know that God can restore and change people. That's the only thing I can think of is why I didn't get the same response that I think that I would have, they would have given in the past. And I think probably she can also tell, I don't really want to talk about this with you. So if there's a lady right now who maybe has walked a similar journey as you, has had their husband step out, has had their husband have this infidelity, whether it be in porn or whether it be in the physical sense of a prostitute or something of that nature, what would be your counsel to her? Well, I think it would depend on the situation. I mean, I have talked to a few other women who have had their spouses 
cheat on them and stuff. You know, it really depends on if they are repentant or not. Um, you know, if they're just saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Say a woman says, hey, my husband's repentant, but I don't know if I can forgive him. And then the other extreme may be, hey, my husband's not being repentant. What do I do? Well, I mean, it would be up to her. If it were me and Neil was unrepentant, I'd be like, I'm out of here. God's not going to hold it against me. He doesn't delight in divorce. If I have a spouse that's cheating on me and I can't trust him, then I'm not going to stay with him. But he was. And I could, I mean, I could definitely see the change. Of course, it took me a little while. But I mean, he's like telling his worst parts about himself to his family and his friends. The same people that he told him that I was crazy, he's now telling him that he's saved and and what he did to me and stuff. I'm thinking if you're not repentant, why would you do that? Then he stopped hanging out with him. Life is totally different. I mean, both of our lives are totally different. I say to somebody that can't forgive, I mean, the same thing that I was thinking. I mean, how can you, I mean, Jesus says that he can't forgive you if you can't forgive. I would think about how much it hurt to be cheated on and then think how much it hurt for us to sin against God. It's like how much that hurts him. I guess that would be my response. And also too, that to remind somebody that forgiving somebody isn't justifying their behavior. And it also doesn't mean that you have to stay with them either. I mean, every situation is going to be different. I mean, we did counseling. Yeah. I mean, he had to do the work and he had to make the effort and he had to show that he was trustworthy. He wasn't just telling me what I wanted to hear. Because I mean, really, I just, it's like I loved him, but I didn't like him, if that makes sense. Like I said, if there was a place for me to go, I probably would have gone. We were stuck together for a while. What's one thing you learned about yourself through this process? (sighs) Probably that I I don't like attention focused on me. I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a weird feeling. It's like, it's nice to hear it. It's almost surreal. And I don't know. It's like when you see it happening to other people, you're like, oh, that's cool. Then when it's happening to you, you're just kind of like, this is kind of weird. I never would have pictured myself here. I- what did you learn about Neil during this process that maybe you didn't know before? <sighs> well, quite a bit, because he really didn't talk much at all. You know, I'd start to think of things. I'm like, we did talk when we started dating. And then it got to the point to where I couldn't get him to hardly say anything to me at all. Throughout the whole day, we had text each other. How's your day? Oh, good. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just working. What's for dinner? <laughs> that would be our conversation pretty much for the day. Or he'd be like, oh, I'm meeting my friends tonight. So pretty much that would be it. So it's like, even if he was at home, he didn't really try to engage in any kind of conversation at all. He'd have some sort of sporting thing on. Usually I would try to have a conversation with him. He just, and then some days he would seem like on edge and irritable. And I'm like, you know, what is it that you're mad about? I'm like, I haven't even talked to you. What's going on? And he wouldn't, he wouldn't want to open up about anything. This is so weird. I mean, like, you know, if you're unhappy, do you want to be married? 
And then sometimes you'd say, well, I just feel like you'd be happier if you were somebody that believed the same things as you. And I, I was like, well, yeah, it'd be easier for sure. I was like, but that's not the way things work. Bible says that if you have an unbelieving spouse and they want to leave, I'm like, you're free to go. The Bible says that if your spouse is willing to stay, that he wants you to stay together. You know, being married isn't always about having fun and having a good time. It's not always easy. I could never get him to say like, yeah, you know, let's just call it quits. This isn't working out. Nothing like that. He'd be like, no, I don't want to get divorced. But I'm thinking, well, why? I don't get it. Like, why do you want to stay here? We don't even do anything together, really. Do you wonder if part of that was his not wanting to maybe be the quitter and that maybe trying to give you you're out. And so then he didn't have to be the bad guy. You ever wonder about that? I think I've even asked him that. Part of me was just like, you know, just tell me you want a divorce. Because I'm like, I can't tell you that. <laughs> Probably just not wanting to deal with it. Cost money to get divorced. He says that he didn't want to get divorced, but I'm just thinking, well, I mean, you were hardly ever home, so it doesn't really make sense why you'd want to stay married. He might have been thinking that, but I was also thinking that too. I'm just like, well, you know, I'm trying to hold on here and, you know, I pray that someday you'll get saved. Part of me is just, I want to divorce you. At that time, I felt like that would probably be easier. But he was like, no, I don't want to get divorced. So I'm like, okay. If you could have the knowledge and everything that you know now, and you could go back to that faithful night where you got the phone call, and before you answer the phone, your future self, this is kind of a weird scenario or weird weird story here, but the future you comes back to you in the bedroom, watching TV, right before you pick up your phone, your future you says, hey, Amy, wait a second. Before you answer that, I, I'm from the future. I need to tell you something. Do you think you would just think you're delusional, maybe crazy? Like, what is it? What, hold on. What's going on here? Do you answer the phone still? Do you listen to future you? Well, what is future me telling you? Well, future you, I would imagine, would tell you everything that's going to happen. Like, in the next six months, here's what's going to happen. You're going to know this, this, and this. And by the way, he's doing this. You might not want to answer this to save yourself some pain. I'm just going to tell you everything now? Or do you just kind of blow off future you? I didn't pick up my phone. It was just sitting on my nightstand. And so I like literally just looked over and I saw these messages popping up. You know, I don't know. That's a hard question. It didn't really matter that. I mean, of course it sucked to like, cause I saw some things that I didn't want to see, but even if I hadn't seen things that I didn't want to see, I would still have thoughts come into mind that I didn't want to have. So did they send you images? Yeah, they sent me one. Oh my gosh. And then whenever I got on his laptop, there were pictures of the girl that he was going to go meet and then pictures of him. Not together. They were just sending pictures to each other back and forth. Oh. So, and, that, and that's like the next day, right? No, that was like three weeks later. The crazy thing is, is like I said, like after I found... After I found out he was blackmailed, I wasn't sure what I was going to do at that point. Yes, I forgave him. I didn't know if I was going to stay with him. I just felt like this isn't the whole story. There's got to be more to this than that. So it was like part of me, it was like I was wanting to investigate and get the truth for whatever reason. <sighs> I was on my way to work. Okay, so I popped into his office. He was like standing in front of his laptop and I felt like he was trying to block his laptop from me seeing it. 
I was like, oh, there's something on there. And so that's when I was like, he said he was going to have dinner with his son. And so I was like, basically like, okay, get out of here. And I was like amazed that it was I was able to open his laptop and it came up because I was like, surely it should have gone off by now. I think about a week after he got blackmailed, I was saying goodbye to him before I went to work. And he, he made some comment about, you know, when you get over this... I was like, what? After finding out the first thing, he did not seem repentant at all. He didn't seem sorry. I think he was just sorry he got caught. And he said something like, he was like, you know, he's like, I won't ever convert to Christianity. Convert to anything. He's like, it'll be Judaism. I'm 99.9% sure that I'll never be a Christian. And so that was two weeks before he got saved. Guess he was wrong, right? Well, Amy, I want to do something silly because we've had, I feel like some very serious stuff. You had a little bit of tears, even just acknowledging those, not trying to make you feel bad about them, just acknowledging that. You know, it's, it's a very tough subject. It's a very hard subject. And so... I want to first off, again, acknowledge that you shared today, and I'm sure there was some apprehension at first, and, and I'm glad you gave us an opportunity to walk in your shoes. Before we go, let's do some silliness, some fun. So I tried to get, in honor of your husband, I did actually try, not very hard, to get a Kansas Cup, but sadly, I still have a North Carolina Cup. So you can be a North Carolina fan and just root against Kansas. That would make my heart just warm and fuzzy if you could do that for me this season. Sure. <laughs> You're like, I don't even care about sports because their sports I are dumb, right? I don't watch them at all. <laughs> just every time they're on, just every time you see Neil watching Kansas, you just wait. I'm supposed to tell you something. Oh, go heels. That's what I'm supposed to tell you. So anyway, we have new questions for next season. So I'm really excited. So you're going to be my guinea pig, if that's okay, for our new questions. So we're doing this thing called Senseless. It's in a little die in a cup. And so I'm going to roll for you new questions for next week. But we're going to kick it off with this week. So here we are. All right. Number six, this should be a pretty easy question for you. Not really hard or silliness, but there it is. Number six. And that's this question here. Coffee or tea and why? I love coffee. I drink coffee every day. Why and tea though? just tastes like dirty water. <laughs> Do you have a favorite kind of coffee out there? Do you like caribou coffee? That's pretty good. Like the gigantic moose caribou? I guess. I think so. <laughs> we live in this little old downtown. In the city, kind of, live in this old area. And so there's a square and there's a, a coffee shop over there that's good too. And they have like the best pumpkin latte I've ever had. It's so good. Pumpkin latte. Yeah, that should be coming up here soon. Well, we have this great coffee company out here called Good Bean, and I am enamored with their coffee. It is so good. I've had it multiple times, and I buy their bags every chance I get. I usually buy the whole bean because I like to grind my own beans because mm -hmm. I'm a coffee snob like that. I have a grinder. I love coffee, too. I'm a big coffee fan. Mm -hmm. I have to have it every morning almost. You can do a lot more with coffee, I feel like, than with tea, too. Well, tea seems very pretentious. Yeah. I'm like, I don't like real sweet stuff, so I don't like sweet tea. I mean, I can handle some just regular iced tea. It's just really boring, especially compared to coffee. Coffee you can do so much with, right? You can. You can. You can add all kinds of stuff to it. 
Well, Amy, thanks so much. Thanks for giving us some time yeah. today. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate what you shared. I know your husband's a knucklehead because he's a Kansas fan. And so that makes him a knucklehead <laughs> in my mind. But truly, I think it's so powerful that you made a conscious choice to say, you know what? I don't have to like him, but I do mm-hmm. have to forgive him. Mm-hmm. And and I know that was a tough decision. And I, again, I know there are ladies all over that will listen to this and go, how on earth? And you will say what to them? You know, I probably would have said that myself. If it wasn't for God, honestly, that's the only thing that like changed me is made me understand from God's perspective. If I wasn't saved, it would have been a totally different story. I probably would have said some very mean and hateful things and tried to do some things to hurt him and left. So, I mean, all the things that you would naturally want to do, that's not the way God does things. I think Carrie Underwood has some good ideas on what to do when someone cheats on them. So. Oh, yeah, slash, yeah. Take a baseball bat or whatever, yeah. Took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. We share a birthday, so I can kind of channel my inner Carrie Underwood. Well, I do. I mean this, Amy. Thank you. Thank you again, truly, yeah. and I uh, really appreciate you. Well, guys and gals, kids and campers alike, another season is officially in the books now. We look on to next week. When we start season 15, holy smoky bear, excited about it. It actually came to me at a men's retreat. So here's the story. I was at a men's retreat. The speaker there, his name's Evan, started sharing about the story of David and Goliath. And you'll hear more about that next week. It involves that. I'll give you that as the hint and the tease. Let's talk about what just happened. Let's just talk about what we just heard. We called it on purpose, the one phone call, the phone call that really can change everything. And so let me challenge you on that today as we get out of here. And that's this. Who's that one phone call you need to make? Who's that one person that maybe you need to take off the mask of unforgiveness? Can you do that? Can I do that? Well, that's the hardest part. And that's the toughest part sometimes is sometimes it's hard to forgive. Listen, I think we heard today that if Amy can do it, hopefully you can find it in your heart to do that as well. Guys, thank you again so much for listening again. Season 15. Here we come. Really excited about that. Join me, won't you, next week. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for hitting play each and every week. Really excited that you choose to do so. And of course, don't forget this. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. I'm Neil Matthews. Thank you so much again for listening. Stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.